I'm confused, maybe even angry, most certainly alarmed, as the Albanese-led Australian government appears to be trying to appease those on both sides of the street. It has made and continues to make bold statements about countering climate change, and yet is backing fossil fuel projects that undermine those claims. Welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations. I am your host, Robert McLean. Climate Conversations is assembled here in Shepparton, in Northern Victoria, Australia, on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people. And I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. The Albanese government has legislated targets of cutting emissions to 43% below 2005 levels by 2030 and reaching net zero by 2050. And yet climate scientists have said Australia should be making deeper cuts by 2030, at least 50 to 75%. The federal government target is absolutely inadequate. And some have argued that state and territories alone will reduce Australia's emissions by more than 40%, meaning the federal government has little to do, and yet they sound like the good guys. While the federal government beats its chest and makes loud noises about plans to link mainland Australia to the rich renewable energy sources in Tasmania, it is at the same time handing over millions of dollars of public money for gas fracking in Northern Territory's Beetaloo Basin, a project that many have described as a carbon bomb. If the Albanese government was serious about emissions targets, it would immediately back away from all fossil fuel projects, including what's happening in the Beetaloo Basin. You'll find an ABC story about the Beetaloo Basin, federal funding pitch for Beetaloo Basin infrastructure ramps up in the show notes. In what's another confusing story, Catherine Murphy reports in The Guardian that Australia will join Biden's global pledge to cut methane emissions by 30% by 2030, Albanese confirms. Gas, and the Albanese government has backed gas projects all around Australia, is one of the most serious emitters of methane. Other stories worth talking about today, and there are hundreds, but I can't possibly get to them all, comes from Sadamia. It discusses engaging Australia in climate emergency action. It says, average annual per capita carbon emissions in Australia is 15.37 tonnes CO2, according to the interactive map in the October 3, 2022. It says, average annual per capita carbon emissions in Australia are 15.37 tonnes CO2, according to the interactive map in the October 3, 2022 Guardian article on tracking Australia's progress. And according to recent detailed analysis from the Climate Council entitled Switch and Save, the national average for emissions reduction achieved simply by stopping the use of fossil fuels and switching to an all-electric home is around 2 tonnes CO2 per year. That's per household, not per capita. But it still represents a significant contribution to tackling the climate emergency. And writing in The Guardian, Adam Morton says, Victoria deserves praise for promising a rapid shift from coal to renewables. Now comes the hard part. His story begins. Transformations don't become much bigger than that promised in Victoria by Daniel Andrews last week. At the time of typing, about two-thirds of the electricity generated in Victoria comes from burning brown coal, basically mud. In old, sometimes failing generators in a trove valley. 
It's the most polluting form of large-scale power generation. If the Andrews Labor government wins a third term at next month's state election, which seems likely, it has promised to legislate a target that would mean shutting the remaining coal plants and replacing them with renewable energy and backup generation by 2035 and probably earlier. And from News NCR we read, Put up or shut up. Can big oil show the case for carbon seas? The story starts. The Houston Ship Channel along the Gulf Coast in Texas is the worldwide economic system's petrol station. Tankers stream up and down the channel, which snakes from Gulf of Mexico to inside a couple of miles downstream of Houston. Stopping by one of the 2200 plus oil refineries, chemical crops and gasoline depots that line its waters. One stuff they carry provides off to a world determined for gasoline amid a world power crunch. Those amenities additionally pump out tens of hundreds of thousands of tonnes of CO2 a year, making it considered one of the world's largest concentrations of greenhouse gas fuel emissions and a problem to a world confronting a local weather disaster. ExxonMobil, the world's largest oil supermajor, thinks it has an answer to this downside and it doesn't contain photovoltaic cells or wind generators. And from Yahoo News we hear, Global Climate Summit is heading for a geopolitical hurricane. It says the last time world leaders got together for a climate summit, the backdrop was thoroughly menacing. A pandemic had demonstrated national budgets. Poor countries were up in arms over the hoarding of COVID-19 vaccines by some wealthy nations, whose fossil fuel consumptions did most to harm the planet. Relations between the two largest emitters, that's US and China, had devolved into a zero-sum skirmishage over everything to trade to Taiwan. Those were the good old days. As Egypt prepares to stage COP26, the geopolitical context that shapes all international diplomacy has gone from tense to precarious. The war in Ukraine has divided nations over what some saw as a fight between Russian and Western interests and supercharged an energy crisis that risked shredding COP26's most concrete achievement, a global consensus to cut down coal. As COP26 approached, falling prices for renewable energy seemed to have forced a reckoning for the dirtiest of fossil fuels. The final text of the summit included calls for a phase down of coal power from any plant that doesn't capture its carbon and an end to inefficient subsidies of fossil fuel. A year later, rampant energy price inflation has combined with a protracted energy crunch to revive demand for coal and put subsidies for fuel of any kind back on the political agenda. We've reached the end of this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company. And until we talk again, please take care, stay safe, and please be kind. For everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. And please, if you enjoy this episode, feel free to share with your friends. Again, let me say, take care.